One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. So I thought what we would do tonight is um, Elizabeth had an amazing dream and uh, John messaged me this morning and said, hey, Elizabeth had this dream and I looked at the dream. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, what, that's my message. That's what I'm preaching tonight. Whoa. Amen. <laughs> what? can always count on Sophie. <laughs> All right, so we're going we're gonna to work that dream into the message tonight. Um, how many of you know that the Lord pours out His Spirit upon all flesh, that you would dream dreams, right? That you would see visions and you would prophesy, right? What are you guys born to do? Prophesy. What are you guys born to do? Prophesy. Amen. All right, so just a quick recap of um, what we've been talking about. You know, the dove was sent, the dove, the Holy Spirit was sent to bring you up the mountain so that you could be transformed. It's, it's, what, it's what the Israelites couldn't do on their own, right? They couldn't, they couldn't ascend, right? They say, Moses, you go up and talk to him. But that's not, that's not the will of the Lord. The Lord wants to talk to all of us, right? The voice of the Lord, he wants to transfigure and change all of us. And so Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that as Jesus was transfigured on that mountain and, and they could hear the voice of the Father, right? It, it, the, the scripture describes it as Lego blocks, right? You hear, you hear the Lord say something, and it transfigures you. You hear it again, and it transfigures you further. You hear him again, and pretty soon, block upon block upon block, and he has rebuilt you. He reforms you from an image, right, from a false image. We're, we are all, we're born into a crooked, broken world, and only in relationship with our Father in heaven, in hearing his voice, does he transfigure you into who and what you are, this supernatural thing. Have you found out who and what you are yet? 50-50? Maybe, maybe? Still, still in pursuit, right? And so, but anyway, hey, that's what, we're, that's what this is about, that you get awakened and you start searching through the night because you know he has something to say to you, right? When you know he has something to say to you, you actually act and, and function completely different. A lot of people just get up and go through the routine of going to church and nothing ever changes in their life, nothing ever happens. And that's not... That's not the, the, the call of God. The call of God upon your life is that you hear him, you personally have a relationship with him, and you do something that's impossible for you to do on your own. God didn't call you to do anything possible. He's the God of the impossible. It requires you to come to him in weakness that you may depend and trust and know him and, and cry out to him, and he actually does something to you supernaturally that you can't do on your own, right? That's Jesus. That's my God. Amen. And so it all comes down to expectation. How much are you expecting in the Holy Spirit? 30%? Come on, man. We've been, we've been through this a couple weeks. Are you, are, how about 45? That's pretty close. 50-50? Come on, Sophie. Where are we at? 75? Right? Boo, that's right. The Lord wants all of your heart. He didn't come for a piece of it. He didn't come so that the, you could share your whole heart with the world and then give Jesus a couple minutes on a Sunday morning and go through routines. He wants you to actually pursue him, right? So 70% is good enough, right, Liberty? No, no. He wants all of you 100%. Amen. And so, you know, Jesus was transfigured every day by the voice. He demonstrated an operating system that the Pharisees, it blew their mind. He actually said, I'm the, I am a son of God, the son, the first son, the first son born of many. John 5, 19 says that Jesus only did what he saw the father doing, right? He had vision. He had interaction daily in prayer with his father in heaven. And the Pharisees were so livid. They were so angry because Jesus, number one, called himself a son. And number two, all this supernatural stuff was happening in his life because Jesus heard the voice of the Father, 
right? When he heard the voice of the father, one day go to the woman at the well, the next day go to the man at the gatherings, the next day feed the 5,000. Every day it was an impossible supernatural thing that the Lord was leading him to do. And the Pharisees were confounded, right? The Pharisees actually knew the scriptures, but they didn't know the living God. And that's a very dangerous place to be, to actually know scripture, but not know the one who speaks, the one called the word in heaven, right? The word lives in heaven and he desires to speak to your heart to make you supernatural. Amen? You see, the Pharisees actually didn't know that they were caged men. They actually, what they believed made them better than everybody else. It was actually a, a cage, a box. They, they couldn't function. They, they actually um, forced rules and, and regulations on everybody around them to make them look like they did inside that cage. They were powerless. There was no power inside the, the prison cell that they lived in. Their self-defined mindsets and routines and Jesus, the way Jesus walked on the earth was supernatural. He lived by the voice, right? Do you live by the voice? Or do you live on simply what you know? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a major, it's a major difference. Do you, do you live by what you know? Or do you live by who you know? Who you know. Sophie, you're getting a gold star tonight, girl. It's who you know, right? It's personal. Jesus is a person, Right? He's not just words on paper. He's, he's a person. And he wants your heart. Right? And he does supernatural things to get it. He does things to you that you can't do on your own. Right? You know those people that work the hardest? Who try to look the, the most religious? They're usually the ones that are in the biggest prison. Right? Because they have to perform their way every day instead of trusting in the one who speaks. Amen? So the question I have for you tonight is, is a simple one. We'll, we'll start out with this question. Are you caged? Is there a veil over your life? Is there something covering up what you truly are in Christ? Is your real identity truly revealed on earth? Do you know who you are? Huh? A person who knows who and what they are in Christ is a dangerous person, man. Right? You're dangerous. Because you're not you're not limited by what is around you. You're actually unlimited because you trust in the one who leads you day by day. Your steps are ordered, right? The, the steps of a righteous man are ordered. They're led, right? So it's not, it's not the, it, your foundation actually is not knowledge, worldly knowledge. Your foundation is, you know, you know the one who speaks. You know the one who lives. Amen? Amen. And so... Let's just go through some analogies about caged things and caged people, because there's a lot of people that think they're religious or they, they are, they checked the box, right? They went to the altar one time, they believed, right? But when you start asking two or three level questions, you start to realize, eh, that guy really doesn't know who he is. That guy really doesn't know who Jesus is. Did you ever see um, a dog? A puppy that's raised with a bunch of cats. How's it act? It acts like a cat. Eric, you're getting a second gold star tonight. All right. It acts like a cat, right? Doesn't know who it is. It acts like its surroundings. So that, that dog is actually in a cage, doesn't even know it. My cousin um, had a farm that uh, this, this puppy grew up around the chickens. And every time, every time the roosters did their cock-a-doodle-doo, the, the dogs are really going, right? I mean, okay, the dog, the dog had a wrong identity. <laughs> Amen? You guys aren't running around the chicken coop, are you? Huh? <laughs> every, t every, time the every time the rooster's crowing, you're not, you're not looking like the roosters, are you? How about a dog that spent the first three years in its life in a cage and then you open the cage door? What's it do? It stays in the cage. What happens when you go into a church and you flood it with the Holy Ghost and you open the front door of the church? What do the people do? Huh? Yeah, right? They, 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 they're, they're used to staying. They're used to in, being in the same place. 
So you got to bring one of these prophetic guys in. You start kicking people in the hind end, right? Are you with me? All right. You're getting a picture. You see, most, most churches are more attuned to the voice of CNN than they are to the Holy Spirit. We'll just sit here in the cage because CNN said, don't go outside. It's not you guys, is it? Huh? That's not you, is it? How about a man who thinks he's a woman? Come on, man, we're getting into identities. How about a woman who thinks he's a man? Come on, the book of Romans says that, I, that they'll be given over to a reprobate mind. They, they actually live in a prison. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving you analogies, I'm giving you examples, because until you recognize what limits you or what you identify yourself to, you won't actually function in the image that Christ has for you. That's why it's so important to be in the presence of the Lord, because when He anoints you, when He floods your heart with visions and dreams, He is actually re-imaging you. Right? You, you know, pe- people that are born in religious scenarios or, or, or any identity situation, like the dog in the cage, that even though the door might be open, they stay in the cage, they have, their hard drive needs re-imaged. Right? Say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus. in every way my hard drive needs re-imaged. In every way my hard drive needs Give me visions and dreams. Give me, and dreams. Give me prophecies. Give me prophecies. Take, me up the mountain. Take me up the mountain. And speak to me. And speak to me. That I would know who you are. And I would know what I am. In Jesus' name. All right. So, you know, Saul was locked in the cage. You all know the story of Saul, right? Saul, the, the religious guy, the guy that, uh, you know, ran around killing all the Christians. It, he, he was actually in a prison. He was in a religious prison. He thought he was zealous. He was doing the right thing in his own mind, according to his own personal interpretation of Scripture. And he ran around killing people. And when the light of Christ shows up on the road to Damascus, Somehow, boom, Paul Paul gets lit up in the Holy Spirit, completely transformed. And he he gets up and he starts having visions. Huh? Are you with me? You getting a picture? You know how the Lord takes you out of cages, false identities, limitations? He starts giving you visions. He starts giving you dreams. He starts sending people to prophesy to you. And when the prophecy comes to you, it actually takes you out of that cage in a redefined, repurposed element of a revelation of who Christ is and who you are in Christ. The one who actually reaches down and speaks to you and says, no, you're not a ditch digger. No, you're not supposed to hang out in the street and just beg for money. No, you're not supposed to uh, do drugs every day of your life. No, I have a plan for you. And he starts to speak to you. He re-images your hard drive. Amen? Amen. Thank God he pours out the Holy Ghost. Amen? Look to the person beside you and say, Thank God Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit. Thank God Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit. On you too, Steve. You see, the church without the Holy Spirit acts like they're in a cage. Right? They, 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 they come in, they sit down, and that's about the end of the week. Right? When it's actually opposite. It's actually supposed to be churches like a revitalizing place because out in the week, out the rest of the week, you're out there firing prophetic arrows. You're out there raising the dead. You're out there laying hands on the sick. You're actually looking for sick people down the street. You're looking for somebody who hasn't laughed for a week, and you could actually lay their hand on them, and they just laugh, right? Filled with joy, right? Amen? Amen. Jesus was, was in a discussion with the Pharisees, and he said this in John 12, 39. He says, Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their hearts, uh, He has blinded their eyes, and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, the eyes of their hearts, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. Right? So what Jesus is saying here is, You can't do it without the Holy Ghost. 
That's called self-defined religion, self-purposed, the self-reliant, self-interpreted, self-discovered, self-reading, self-memorizing, self-everything, right? You can't do it without the Holy Ghost, right? You got the revelation yet? It, 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 it's so complicated, it's simple. Did I say that right? No, right? It, it's so simple, it's simple. It's about the Holy Ghost. Amen? It's not complicated, but man, in their self-interpretation, right? The Lord says, you will come to me in a humiliating way. You don't come saying, I'm, I believe in Jesus, but it's because I did this. It's because I accomplished that. It's because I achieved. None of, those are all dead works. Your accomplishments mean nothing, right? It's about the Holy Ghost. It's about you in love with the Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit through life, right? You know what Jesus did, did to the Pharisees? He called them what they were. He said, you guys are a bunch of posers. You know what a poser is? A faker. They got the, they're wannabes. They got the, they got the wrong image. They, 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 they're actually self-imaged, right? They interpreted Scripture and they were self-imaged. When Jesus is, is saying, I'm, I'm the image maker. I, I am the one who has a destiny for you, a calling upon your life, a purpose for you, a plan that will launch you into a supernatural life where you become spirit dependent, voice of God dependent. And it's as simple as that. Amen? Amen. You see, Jesus knew he was adopted while the Pharisees didn't really know they were orphaned. They functioned like, like orphans, okay? You see, adoption receives. What did we say last week? The greatest, the, yeah, the greatest Christian is the greatest what? Receiver. That's right. The greatest Christian is the greatest receiver. What's it take to receive? That's right. You, you, you literally have to position yourself, open up your heart, and let the, the presence of the Lord begin to fill your heart. Let's practice that for a minute. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit I'm, positioning my heart I'm positioning my heart to receive. To receive. I, want I want more. I need you to speak. I need you to, to re-image my, re my heart. There's a scripture in uh, Romans 8, 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. It's a heart cry. It's a need. It's a desperation. It's not an achievement process. It's a receiving process, right? It's not, a, it's not an achievement process. It's a receiving process, a need. Does your heart need? Huh? Kind of? 30%? Come on, Sophie, 50% is good enough, isn't it? That's right. 100%, man. He's after your heart. Jesus, Jesus said very few things related to the relational dynamic. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul. And love your neighbor. You see, you'll never be able to love your neighbor unless you are in hot pursuit of the presence of the Lord. It's called a poser. You gotta love everybody. And then they have they have no prayer life. Tell me about your prayer life. Oh, I don't how do you pray? I don't know. I get I get bored 30 seconds in and I stop. It's none of you guys, right? No. <laughs> That's why he gives you a supernatural prayer language to pursue him in a humility, uh, in a in a humble way. He says you will uh, that he says that the people I will teach the religious in a with a Stammering lip and another tongue, right? You will pursue me with a heart that comes to me expecting in my way, right? That's called coming in faith versus just throwing in the towel or whatever excuse you come up with as to why you don't pray, right? And so adoption receives. Adoption positions you to be transfigured. Adoption actually is the centerpiece of recognizing you don't have to earn your way you have to receive your way. King's kids are given things. They don't have to go out. They don't, come on, they don't have to go out and work for it. King's kids are given things. What has he given you lately? Huh? When, when, did he give you a dream this week? Did he give you a vision this week? 
Did he give you, what did he give you this week? You see a heart that expects, I get angry if he doesn't talk to me every day. Hey, where are you at, bro? I'm saying that tongue in cheek, it's joking, but the Lord and I have this relationship, man. Where are you at? And he goes, where are you at? Maybe it's time to fast this week, Dave. Maybe, maybe I want something different out of you this week, Dave. I'm after something in you. Well, okay, what do you want me to do? And that's, that's as simple as it goes, man. It requires a dynamic, living, breathing relationship. Amen? But here's the deal. Orphan spirits compete. They never leave the cage. They're convinced that they're, 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 like the, they're like the dog that never comes out of the cage, right? And so they stay inside the cage. They stay in the single place and they compete with everybody around them because they try to win their position inside the place instead of realizing that the Holy Spirit's trying to push them out into the street. Amen? So say this with me. Voice of God. I come to receive. receive. Transfigure me. me. Come on, man. You can do it. You can do. Is that the way your prayer life is? Come on. Voice of God. God. I come to receive. receive. Transfigure me. me. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. I command every orphan spirit. That has convinced me to stay in the cage. Leave me now. Every orphan spirit that has convinced me that I don't have a purpose and a calling. Leave me now. I break your power. Spirit of adoption, fill my heart. I'm positioning myself to receive your glory. Holy Spirit. Break the veil. Bring me out of the cage. Speak to me and transfigure me. Amen. Amen. You see, the power of the prophetic anointing is a pretty significant thing inside the house of God. If the prophetic is not flowing, there's a lot of stagnation happening in the house. Okay? You guys, you guys are all with me on the, on the, the, the dove the dove in the cage, right? You don't want to keep the dove in the cage. You don't want the dove presented in a cage. You actually want the dove to flow freely across the whole church because the next step is the, the eagle, the prophet, begins to bring the wind. The wind begins to flow, right? The wind begins to flow. And when the wind flows, people are changed. Right? The demonic powers are driven off. The people are transformed and the church begins this transformation process. Right? But the prophetic voice is extremely important because it actually is what breaks the veil. Just as you learn in your own prayer life, and see, this is where the reciprocal process of your relationship flows from your prayer life back into the church. Because in your prayer life, when you hear the voice of God and you, and you go through this transfiguration process, you learn the value of the voice. And so you can't be silent anymore. You're just not running down the street repeating scripture. You're actually running down the street looking for the person who the Lord wants to speak to. And when you speak to them, they're crying, they're shaking in tears. You're actually taking them out of the cage. You're actually unveiling who they really are and, and establishing in them in their true identity, Right? That's the power of the prophetic voice. Are you powerful? Yeah. That's right. Are you powerful, Aiden? Yeah. That's right. Are you powerful, Sophie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on, girl. That's <laughs> no, no, no. You see, the power of the prophetic voice is not like an optional thing. The prophetic voice is actually Jesus. Paul said it this way. He says, I pray that you all pray in tongues, but even more that you prophesy. Why? Because without prophecy, without the church functioning in a fashion where the, the, the unveiling of each other happens, everybody just sits stagnant, not really knowing that they're caged. When you look at the guy beside you, 
Is he, is he doing what the Lord called him to do? Or is he caged? Let me tell you a story. Maybe you'll... Maybe uh, this story will help you understand why prophecy is not an optional thing. It's a a necessary thing and why Paul spent so much time talking about the necessary free-flowing authority of of the prophetic gift in the house of God, okay? Um, Around 2010, I was in the the church, um, probably four or five hundred people in the congregation, and this prophet guy who was, you know, he came through our church probably a couple times a year. Um, he comes in and, uh, you know, he's, he's doing his thing and he, start, he starts to do his prophetic ministry stuff. Call, calls, calls my name, brings me up to the front of the church. And he starts to, he starts to make these statements about, um, he, he asked me a question. He goes, how many people do you believe in your lifetime that you will baptize in the Holy Spirit, that you will preach Jesus to and release the power of the Holy Spirit upon. And I'm, you know, I'm up, I'm up in front of the whole crowd, right? And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I administered to people at this point. I've, I did the prophetic thing. I was helping people. I was ministering to people. But I didn't know that I was caged. I didn't know that I was in a place that wasn't in the fullness of what the Lord had called me to do. And so when he asked me the question, I said, 500. He smacked me on the back. Whack. I mean, you know, when you get around crazy prophetic guys, they do crazy things, right, Ashley? So he smacks me on the back and he says, you faithless orphan spirit, come out of him. I'm like, what was that? Right? He says, how many people are you going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost on this planet before you're gone? I said, a thousand. I doubled it. No, no, he hit me harder. He was a big, he's like 6'4", big guy, 200, 280 pounds. Whack, he hit me in the back. I was like, what are you doing to me? He goes, you faithless orphan spirit, come out of him. Okay, you're getting a picture, right? It happened again. I said, all right, 5,000. And when I said 5,000, my knees started to shake. There was something being transfigured out of me, out of my own mouth, that I was actually beginning to align with a calling of what I was truly called to do. My, My legs started to shake. Guess what he did? He smacked me in the back. He said, you faithless orphan spirit, come out of him. He goes, how many? I said, all right, I'm getting real big. 10,000. I said, that's the way I said it. 10,000. I thought, I thought I'd arrived. I thought I made it. I thought he was going to let me sit down. 10,000. Whack. You faithless orphan spirit, come out. I said, all right. 100,000. My knees are shaking. I'm like, ah. tears are starting to run down my face. Because I was being broken out of a false identity and a limited view, Okay. And he, guess what he did? He smacked me again. He said, you faithless orphan spirit, come out. And by this time, I said, all right, 200,000. 200,000 people baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to the nations. And my knees are shaking. Oh, tears are running down my face, right? Boom, Three hit 300,000. Boom, 400,000. Boom. But when I said 500,000, I'm laying on the ground, snot, Tears running down my face. I'm going, ah, 500,000, 500,000. Messed me up. Guess what happened? I started having dreams. The Lord started coming to me in dreams. That's when I started having the dreams to go to India, right? And the, the Lord came to me, laid cloths on me and different things that happened in the dreams where he literally imparted things to me in dreams. The next thing I know, he comes to me in a dream and he says, a man from India will call you. Go. Seven days later, I get this phone call. David, I saw you preaching. You need to come to India. <laughs> okay. Bought my ticket on a plane and the rest is history. And so I'm telling you that because the 6,000 pastors that I've prayed in, 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 and laid my hand on in India that have been baptized in the Holy Ghost that, couldn't, that didn't exist in that shallow caged view that I had 10 years ago. 
the 150,000 people that I've prayed for and ministered to and, and, and seen people, supernatural things happen all over India and see, seen people get baptized in the Holy Ghost and demons come out of people and people get up and walk, blind people see, deaf people hear. That couldn't have happened in that caged, shallow view, right? And so as, he's, as, he, was, as he was finishing with me, he said these words to me. I'm on the floor. He grabs me up. Tears running down my face. Kind of looked like some of you guys a couple weeks ago, right? And he says these words to me. He says, the devil's afraid of what you are about to become. You're going to the nations. I'm, I'm messed up. But you know what? That prophetic word reached into my heart and pulled a destiny out of me that did not exist until prophetic eyes until a prophetic revelation from the Lord came through another person and literally started to pull me out of that cage. See, you see, I was functioning in the gifts of the Spirit, but my identity and calling still had not been revealed in its fullness. And it still hasn't, right? We are, we are revealed in glory to glory, in relation to relation, in hearing the transfiguring voice of, of the direct voice of God. Right? And you can't fake it. You can't learn enough scripture. You can't do, you can't memorize enough stuff to get there. It's only his voice. Okay? It's only his supernatural reaching into you and pulling out of you. Ecclesiastes says that, that the destiny of a man is locked in his heart, and only the Lord himself can unveil it. Right? Jesus tore the veil. He, he tore the veil of religion, allowing you to connect with him. But every one of us have a veil that without that personal relationship, that veil actually keeps you from what you truly are. Right? And so the power of the prophetic gift in the house of God, you see, when I look at you guys, I don't see just a bunch of people sitting in a pew on Sunday. You know what I see? Huh? I see world changers, man. I see people. I see Aiden. I see Aiden starting a church one day. I see Aiden having a having having a war a war team, a team that is so prophetically anointed that they literally run around the city looking for people, awakening the dead, finding somebody to lay their hands on, finding somebody that is so distraught and demonized that they 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 hunt them down and cast the demons out of them. You see, that's you guys, when you look in the mirror, you can't actually expect and, and the normal thing that the world thinks you are. That's called a facade. That's a cage. That's a lie. That's not what you really are. The world could not identify that I would be called to the nations and do what I do to, to, the, to those people in India. The world could not identify that somehow, some way, I land in Toledo, told to go to Ontario Street, and Bill and Barb have this whole thing set up. You know why? Because the Lord had a, had a dream for you. He's got a dream for every one of you that you would not walk through life any longer veiled, limited, caged, but you would actually step into the true calling of Christ, that you would walk in the glory of God, that you would pray in tongues and prophesy, that you would run to that mountain every day, that you would know your God and the world could not contain you. There is no cage that can contain you. Amen? Are you with me? Is there anybody as excited as me in here? Is anybody alive? Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Sophie. All right. You see, turn to the person beside you and tell them this. Say, the devil is afraid of what you're about to become. Tell them again, the devil is afraid of what you're about to become. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command the orphan spirit that has nested itself in the hearts of the people, Lord. I break its power in Jesus' name. I command it to go right now in Jesus' name. And I loosen the spirit of adoption upon every person in this place. I call them kings and queens. I call them sons and daughters of Almighty God. I decree that they will go to the nations. I decree they will lay hands on the dead and they will rise. I decree that they will prophesy. I decree that they will command demons to flee and they will flee in the name of Jesus I release upon you the revelation of your destiny in the name of Jesus I command that orphan thing 
to go right now in the name of Jesus. Amen? You see, when you recognize the value of the direct voice of God, you can't contain yourself, right, Aiden? You can't sit still. Because you know that there's somebody in here that needs deliverance. You know that there's somebody in here that the Lord has something to speak to. That that they came one way, but they'll go home praising God. They'll be weeping, right? They'll be shaking. They'll be free. They'll be healed. Because you know that the Lord speaks. And if, if you know He speaks to you, you know He wants to speak to those around you. I desire you all pray in tongues and even more that you prophesy. What were you born to do, guys? What were you born to do? (laughs) That's right, my friend. You see, many of you have had the veil cover your true identity, but it's going to be ripped off here tonight. It's going to be ripped off in the days of head. You're going to have dreams and visions. You're You're going to be awakened to the true glory and destiny of God. You know, there's a there's this there's there's this thing about, you know, when when you function in the gift of justice, the anointing of justice. When you look at the people around you, there's, there's something that happens to a person that when you know that you are gifted and you have something that can help the people around you that you can't sit still. You don't want to sit still. You have something to give away. You have something to help the guy who weeps every day, the guy who is in depression every day, the guy who is just distraught because of a marriage problem. You have something for them, right? Romans 8 18 and 19, for I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed for us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The word unveiled there has two meanings. It's the word klepto, meaning something was stolen from you. And the word apocalypto, meaning to unveil your true identity. So when the Lord talks to you personally about the unveiling of sons of God, the unveiling of supernatural ones who are called in Christ, there's something stolen from you that He wants to return. And there's this real identity of what you're truly called to do in life that He wants to impart to you. And the only way that's imparted is by His voice, by His dream, His vision, the direct connection with the Holy Spirit, right? So there's a false identity that the enemy puts upon you You'll not, you're not going to amount to anything. And so you spend the rest of your life being a streetwalker, right? And, and just doing some bad stuff, right? But the Lord comes. He, send, he sends a guy like Aiden down the street to go to the corner of Ontario and the Shell Station because you're going to see a guy at 2 o'clock that I want you to pray for. I want you to prophesy to him. And one word changes a guy's life because... The identity they functioned in that was stolen, you rip that off of them and you actually reveal what they truly are in Christ. And suddenly the guy who was walking down the corner is no longer a drug addicted or the woman walking down the corner is no longer drug addicted and dependent on you know, self-consumption and numbing the pain. Now they're chasing this living God that personally came to them because some guy named Aiden was led by the Holy Spirit to go prophesy over somebody to, to raise a dead man. Spiritually dead man. Are you with me? So is prophecy powerful? Is prophecy necessary? Were you born to prophesy? The church was never meant to be a hiding place. Never meant to be a cage. Right? It was never meant to be a cage. But the Lord sends people to awaken supernatural things in dead places. Okay? Let me tell you a quick story, and this is, this is kind of a funny one. I got a call a couple years ago. Um, I was in West Virginia. To, I was asked to come to a church, and um, it, was, it was a woman pastor. And I uh, got off the phone. I said, all right, yeah, I'll come. Let me pray and see what the Lord has me to do. And I asked, started asking the Lord questions, and immediately <laughs> I asked the Lord a question about the church. And he shows me the pulpit inside the church and he shows me a golden calf coming up out of the floor and setting in the place where the pulpit is. <laughs> and I saw, I saw a dove waiting outside the front door. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, right, to know what a golden calf means. The Lord was signaling me that he wanted to, help transition this church, 
right? And, you know, people can respond and do different things in many different fashions, but the Lord, I asked, I kept asking the Lord, oh, Lord, do you, do you really want me to do this? You know, I, I, I can see where this is going, man. <laughs> so I get up and I start to speak and I start talking about the vision the Lord gave me, but the Lord wanted the dove to come in and the calf removed, right? And uh, the lady pastor, she, she jumped up. She was a bit alarmed. But somehow the grace of God came into the room. All I can tell you is the grace of God came into the room. The whole thing got worked out. And at the end of it, half the church got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so I'm telling you that story because as a prophetic person, you're going to be put in some very strange situations that are going to require you to trust and have guts in what the Lord is showing you and have grace on how you're to speak it with the intent that the Lord always wants to save and deliver. He actually wants to deliver people out of captivity. He wants to open the cage door. He wants to actually reveal who they really are. He actually wants to um, reveal the fact that there's a relational dynamic, right? The, The personal interaction with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so so the purpose of the prophetic is never to condemn. It's actually to deliver. And it's a little bit touchy situation when when you have to identify some crazy, scary things. But the Lord ultimately wants to pull pull the cover off to to reveal and deliver the the people. Amen? Amen. So the power of a veil breaker. Do you understand that? As you, as you learn to prophesy and as you flow in the prophetic gift of visions and dreams, you're actually breaking the veil off of people. Are you willing to sacrifice yourself at the risk of being made uncomfortable and challenged in some fashion so that that person could get delivered? Because let me tell you, even in the presence of the Lord, there's oftentimes I, I get rejected, Okay. Even when the presence of the Lord is doing a miracle and a supernatural thing, there are people that literally refuse it and run. Okay? That doesn't mean that I did something wrong. I just, I just you know, the rejection is part of the package. But more times than not, the presence of the Lord actually breaks through that, that hard, hard heart with the intent to deliver people and to reveal who they, who they really are. So say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Make me a veil breaker. Come on, Holy Ghost, make me a veil breaker. You know, one of the, one of the books of the Bible that are just, um, you know, a lot of people stay away from it. They, they, they don't understand it. They don't embrace it a lot is the book of Revelation. But I want, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about how the Lord actually... Um, reveals he, he he reveals through the gift of revelation and john when he was in heaven he he looked around there was nobody to open the scroll so he he weeps he's crying and he says who will open the scroll he's actually asking the question who will break the veil who will unveil the story who will make real the true identity of the people who will remove the seal of of the dark thing that covers right so he, so, so as he's asking the question He's actually asking, how will the sons and daughters be revealed in the book of Revelation? Right? And so, I, wanna, I just want to spend a minute talking to you about um, a dream. The Lord, the Lord came to me in November, and He gave me a series of dreams about the horsemen. Okay? When you... When, when you your first, before you even have a chance to think, your first thought about Revelation and the four horsemen, what, what, what do you perceive? Most, most of you look, think of destruction and fear, right? What if I were to tell you that the real identity of the horsemen, when they're revealed, is actually that the world is fearing the church instead of the church fearing what they are and not knowing what they are? Let me, let, me, let me tell you about, about that for a second because it's important that as a body, this isn't just an individual thing, it's actually the body being awakened and individuals being awakened to really step into 
you know, you start ministering in a church, then you're called to do something else supernatural, then you're maybe called to go to a different city or you're called to go to a different nation. There's a progression in the unveiling process of your life. And Jesus is in a, Jesus is in a progression of unveiling the church, okay? The church, the church in 10 and 20 years is going to be so more supernaturally powerful than the church is today. Do you believe that? If you, if you don't believe that, then you don't understand the, the way you go from glory to glory to glory. Glory builds. Legos build, right? One Lego. And so, and so the Lord releases revelation to people to, be, to begin further unveiling the true power of the church. Okay? So let me tell you these, these dreams real quick. <clears throat> the first dream is very simple. The Holy Spirit leads me down the steps of my house into my kitchen. And I hear these horses neighing in my backyard, right? And I look out and um, there's a barn in my backyard. And the Holy Spirit walks me over the door. I open, I open my back door. I walk out into the, in, and I look in the barn and there's four horses in the barn. The white horse, the black horse, the red horse, and the pale horse. I'm looking and I'm, my immediate thought is, oh my gosh, it's the book of Revelation, <laughs> right? And then I look, and Jesus is walking across my neighbor's yard. He's walking toward me, and he, he goes up to the barn door. He unlatches the barn door, and he flings the barn door open. And he says these words. He says, the horses were meant to run free. The horses in this context are, are a symbol of ministries, okay? You, you may say, well, when you, read the, when you read Revelation 6, it talks about the destruction. It talks about all these bad things that happen. Can I tell you that those are, that's, that's being read through the eyes of fear? That's being read through the eyes of caged people. They don't know who they are. Veiled eyes. Okay? The ministries are meant to run free. When you birth a ministry in here with what we're doing, okay, let's, t- let's pick on Aiden. So as Aiden has progressed in a couple months and you line people up in front of him now and he's prophesying over people and there's going to be another step and another step and another step, that's a progression, right? Ultimately, there's a ministry call. There's a purpose. There's an intent, right? So what would happen if Aiden spent his whole 50 years sitting beside Barb? Poor Aiden. Listen, we're all nice people, but the intent is not to keep you. The intent is to awaken you, awaken ministries, awaken purposes, and the barn door gets open and the, and the horses are meant to run free, right? The horses were never meant to be caged. So Jesus is saying that there are ministry, there are awakenings of ministries, okay? And so who's my audience? Okay, I, I'm, I'm in the midst of writing this book. I'm, I'm about ready to send it to the editor. And so this, this, this call to write a book was not, I didn't come here for the purpose of writing a book. It was revealed to me, I want you to write a book. And if I was going to write a book, it wouldn't be about Revelation 6. It wouldn't have been the backdrop. It wouldn't have been the intent and the purpose. But as Jesus gave me this first dream and he said, the horses were meant to run free, write the book. I'm like, all right. And so I start to ask questions. I start saying, what does this mean? How's, how, what, what, I'm like, oh my gosh, I start reading Revelation 6, which I'll get to here in a second. Oh my gosh, those are bad guys. No, that was, that was the answer, no. So the next night, as I'm asking these questions, I'm, I, the, the Lord, in the, in the dream, he wakes me up the next night. He walks me into my office, which is in the front corner of my house. And I hear horses neighing again on the outside of my house. Holy Spirit opens the blind in my, in my office in my front window. I look out and the four horses are now roaming free in my front yard, eating, eating grass out of my front yard. I was like, oh my gosh. So I run over to the front door. I run into the front yard and Jesus is at my mailbox. I run over and I'm like, what are you doing? What's, what's going on? And, and he goes, I'm waiting for the burning ones. And all of a sudden I look and there's a, there's a field off to, off to the right of my house. And I see these people 
these burning figures walking toward my house. And as they get closer and closer, they get to my mailbox. Jesus whistles for the horses. And there's a connection point where the, where the burning people are mounted on their horses. And Jesus smacks the back end of the horses and they start running. They start running in different directions. And he says, he says these words to me. He said two things. He says, I'm searching for the riders of the horses. So he wants the horses out of the barn. He's searching for the riders of the horses. And the third thing he said to me was, the previous generations grew up fearing the four horsemen, but this coming generation will know that they are the four horsemen. I was like, whoa. (laughs) And you know, I write everything down that the Lord tells me. And there's a third part I'll get to next week. But I I I want to set this as the backdrop that we are in this continual process of revelation, right? The, the horse, you, you look to the person beside you and say, there's, there's, a, there's a ministry calling upon your life. Seriously. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be a foundational set person in a church. Every one of you have a ministry, whether you're sitting beside somebody at lunch or wherever it is, if you hear the voice of God, you're a minister. Paul made tents, then did missions. Then came back and made tents, then went and did missions. You know what the Lord does with me? I work and work and work, and then I spend two weeks preaching from daybreak to, to sundown in India, completely exhausted after two weeks, and I come back. That's what I do. I touch 20,000 people in two weeks, and then I spend the next six months Doing whatever, local, that the Lord has me do. Okay? Your ministry calling is going to be unique. But you have to have the revelation that there's a horse for you. Say this. Say, Jesus, Jesus. flood my heart heart. with the revelation revelation. of my horse. horse. I want to know what color it is. I want to know know how fast it rides. I want to know know what direction it's going. I want to know how to ride it. The next generation will grow up knowing who they are. So if there's a, so if there is a there if there's a calling for you to be a horseman, if there's a calling for you to do something supernatural, something that is so different than what you've done ever before, are you willing to pursue him, leave go of the old thing and pursue him to find it? Because he's got a horse for you, Pete. He's got a horse for you. Everyone in here, he's got a horse for you. Okay? And he's searching for riders. He's searching for riders to get mounted on those horses. And you, you may say, well, I'm not convinced yet. Well, it took a lot for me. I had actually had to sit and write. I actually had to sit and start writing. And as I started writing, the Lord started you know, just blowing my mind with different scriptural connections and revelations. Um, but I want to, I want to, I want you to be confident in, in, in what I'm saying. And so there's just one thing I want to emphasize. Okay. Revelation chapter six, verse one, it says, now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And behold, a white horse. It, went, it goes on. Behold, a black horse. Behold, a red horse. Behold, a pale horse. Okay? First of all, who opens the seals? Jesus. The voice. The voice opens the seals. Right? How do you align your heart with Jesus to open seals? The prophetic gift. Right? You become His voice. So when Jesus wants to open somebody, somebody's sealed life, when Jesus wants to unveil somebody, deliver somebody from the pain and the hurt or whatever they're dealing with, he, he finds somebody to have a vision, a dream, or, 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 or an, a, a, a revelation of the Spirit. And what they speak literally opens the seal. It, it unveils who and what they really are. Amen? You with me, Sophie? Yeah. Amen? So, you know, you may say, you may get down to uh, verse number seven. And when he opened 
the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the four living creatures saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse. The name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him. And the power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and hunger and with death. If you read that with natural eyes, your first thought is, oh my gosh, Jesus is break is bringing judgment on the world. Everybody's going to die. Is that the nature of Jesus? Jesus is a deliverer. And so in your prophetic anointing, you're called to deliver. And so I had to ask the Lord some tough questions. Why is this guy named this? And he, he started to speak to me about that's what he does. He conquers death. He, he conquers Hades. And so as an evangelist, you go into a foreign land where 99% of the people are Hindu, and you begin preaching this Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and you begin to pray for these people. And suddenly a thousand people come forward who had no idea who Jesus was before, and they stand there and they begin shaking in the presence of the Lord. Is death not conquered? Is Hades not conquered? Okay, so these, these horses are describing an evangelistic call, a prophetic call, an apostolic call. Okay, and this is getting pretty deep for you. We're going we're gonna to stop here for a second, but the point is this. There's a ministry call in your life. And as you ascend the mountain to hear the voice of the Lord and you become a burning one, you will be mounted up on a horse. Okay? You will be mounted up on a horse. So, hey, Elizabeth, can, can you come here a minute? So John calls me this morning and he says, hey, Elizabeth had this dream. And I just want you to catch hold of of, of, of how connected this dream is with what I talked about today. Um, I'm going to read you the dream, okay? Now, Elizabeth is 11, right, Elizabeth? And Elizabeth has been coming four months now, and she's been, she's been, she's been one of those, out, she, she's been crying out, like reaching. Every, every time we pray and stuff, things, crazy things have been happening, right? And... That's right. Amen, man. <laughs> and, so, and so we have this hungry child who is demonstrating, you know, Jesus said, if you come to me, you, you come to me as a child, simply. It's not complicated. And she starts praying in the Holy Spirit, and the Lord gives her this dream. And this, this is a wild dream, okay? And we're going to dissect this dream here real quick. And she says it starts out like this. We were at the church worshiping God when all of a sudden... An angel appears in the back of the worship area. The angel was shaped as a man, and he came forward. Dave Cuppet asked him, do you need prayer? The angel came and blinded David and took his hand. The angel spit on David's hand and then led David to the people in the church. The angel then made David put spit on everyone's head, and the angel left. All right, the significance of this. How did Jesus heal the blind man in the Bible? He spit in the mud, put the spit in mud on the blind man's eyes, and suddenly the first time he says, I see trees, I see men that look like trees, and Jesus prayed for him again, he could see his, his eyesight. It's, it's a prophetic symbol of a spiritual awakening, the ability to see in the Spirit, okay? Are you guys being awakened to see in the Spirit? Yes. Okay, so then she says, Then the angel left, and another one appeared. God gave David his eyesight back. <laughs> I love how the Lord speaks, man. The angel went up to David, and David again said, Do you need prayer? This is the second angel. The angel said nothing. The angel took his hand and placed it on David's head. Then everyone had small fires appear upon them. Is there a fire coming upon you? Yeah. Or is there, are there people being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Right? There are people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then another angel appeared, and the second one left. The third angel was big and had a sword. Then there was chains showing what the people needed freedom from. They had words written on the chains and what they were bonded to. Only seven people had no chains. You know what the significance of this is? When you guys are getting prophetic words for people in here, are you breaking chains off of people? No. 
Only, it, it's, it says only seven people had no change. That's a symbol of the sevenfold Spirit of God, right? It says Jesus walked in the sevenfold Spirit of God. Counsel, might, um, understanding, and wisdom, and uh, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord all make up the sevenfold Holy Spirit. And so the perfected Spirit actually reveals what chains people, what veils them, and also unchains them, right? Klepto, right? The unveiling, what has been stolen from you, and the apocalypto, the revealing of the sons of God. So there's this, there's this process, praying for the eyesight, right? The fire of God coming upon people. Can you feel the presence of God coming in here right now? Yeah. And then the chains are broken off of people. That's you guys all flowing in the gifts of the Spirit to help each other and break the limitations, the wrong identities off of each other. That's a mature church functioning the way you're to function. Okay? Then the whole room was filled with laughter. I just, I just, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, what did the Lord do two weeks ago? He flooded this place with such a powerful presence that people, if you walk within a circle up here, you were on the ground laughing. You could not get up, right? Chains fell, the demons fled, the fourth angel appeared and poured oil over everybody in the room. What's an oil a symbol of? You're anointed. You're baptized in fire, and then you're anointed in the Holy Spirit to go. Are you anointed to go? Right? So the, so the dove has come. There's a, there's, a, there's a deliverance process happening. There's an anointing process happening. The walls of the church do not exist. And so where are you going next? I'm asking that question tongue-in-cheek because there is a next. There is a next. After, after you get prophetically awakened, there's a comfort zone of doing this prophetic thing inside the walls and church on Sunday mornings and different things. But... There's a next thing, right? It's out, it's, out in the, it's out in the workplace. It's out in the community. It's, it's in places where you're, when you look at people and you, you have to look at them with, oh my gosh, there's, there's a veil. There's a chain on somebody. Does it, does it not say that the Lord will give the identity of the chain? Right? He gives the identity of the chain. The word, and think of it this way. The prophetic vision that He gives you We'll break that chain, right? It's not rocket science, right? He doesn't make it so complicated that you can't figure it out. It's actually being willing to pray the vision of the Lord, right? So you have a flood. The heart of man is flooded with light. You can see, okay? And then the fire, the fire of God is, is released upon people. The chains are broken and the oil is poured out. She just preached Pentecost, man. Elizabeth just preached Pentecost. Amen? Amen. Lord, I just, man, I pray, I pray that uh, as Elizabeth demonstrated coming to you as a child, crying out to you in your language, Lord, and you answered with such a revelatory dream to confirm what you're doing in this place. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every person here would have that same fiery desire as a child that would thirst and hunger for you day and night, that would love you with all their strength, all their might, all their soul. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for Elizabeth. Lord, I pray, flood her heart right now. More dreams, more visions. Lord, I pray for the spirit of adoption to come upon her in the name of Jesus. Lord, in Jesus' name, I decree that that orphan thing, it has no place. It has no place. It has no place in the name of Jesus. I command that thing to go. And I decree that you are a daughter of the Most High God, Elizabeth. You are a daughter of the Most High God. You are loved. You are hearing the Father's voice. There is a purpose in your life. And there is a great thing that the Lord has for you. There is a great thing that the Lord has for you. So in the name of Jesus, I command that orphan thing to leave you now. I command that orphan thing to leave you now. And I loosen upon you the spirit of adoption. Fill her Holy Ghost. Fill, 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 fill in the name of Jesus. And I just decree over you that you will laugh as, as the story ends in your vision, that you will laugh 
that you will laugh all the days of your life, that you will not question whether you're loved. I break that lie in Jesus' name. I decree you will hear the love of the Father's voice, of, the, of, of, of your parents. You will hear the love of the Holy Spirit. You will hear how daughters are to be loved and adopted in the name of Jesus. And j- the joy of the Lord will flood your heart and fill it with light in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.